have great favor. So would you please welcome Michael Cook to share the word this morning. Woo, 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 woo. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Anybody? Yes. Well, I don't know whether to uh, start, just start off like this. Everybody give me a little clap. No, no, not like that. Like this. Ready? Celebrate good times. Come on. There's a party going on right here. A celebration. All right, I'm sorry. It's my, the best part of that song for me is this right here. You ready? You ready? It's a celebration. That's the best part of the song for me. The rest of it is kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do with all that. Um, wow. You know what? What a, what a great morning. Lord, have mercy. Uh, the Lord's presence is, is here, and uh, it is a party. It is great to be here. It's wonderful to worship the Lord with the, all the beautiful faces. Everybody looks so good today. My gosh. Lord have mercy. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you're right. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak out of it. If I don't do this, there ain't no telling. The spirit of Pastor Hank or somebody may come over me. That may be over you, Pastor. All right. All right I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, speak out of this morning out of Acts chapter 8, verse 1. All right. But as we're going there, I want to tell you a little story about my dog. Okay. My dog, Bruno. As a little boy, I had a dog. My dad got me a dog, and he was a purebred beagle. Aww. And let me tell you something, he's gorgeous. He was gorgeous. He, 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 I got him as a puppy. He was awesome. I mean, he was that guy, man. I, I, I'd race home from school every day to go see Bruno, you know, my, my, my puppy, yeah. my, my dog, if you will, Christine, my dog. Um, <laughs> he was my dog, man. He, he was awesome. He sat up... A, we you know back in the day, we, you know, it was a parsonage, uh, Pastor Ron. We had a, a parsonage in Waynesburg, Pennsylvania. And it sat on about three and a half, four acres. And up on, it was up a mountain, up a mountain, up a hillside. And about almost at the top of the hillside, we decided to put Bruno's doghouse where he would live. Probably, well, it seemed like as a boy, about a mile and a half to me. <laughs> but it was probably more like three, two, three hundred yards or so. And in the wintertime, I had the privilege of, is my dog. So I had the privilege of walking uphill, not both ways, but at least one way, in the snow, and I didn't have much uh, bottoms in my shoes because I got all my hand-me-downs from my brothers. But I'd have to go up and feed him all the time. Well, the amazing thing about Bruno was every time that I would go up there, and it seemed like in the evening times when I'd go to feed him after school, we, you know, we got a doghouse, we chained him to the doghouse, put a stake in the ground, you know, he's locked and loaded. My dog can't go nowhere. I was scared. I, I'm a dog, you know. And I, now my, my mama didn't really like the dog a whole lot, but she always, you know, got real, real cold. She'd say, you need to take a light up there and cover and put him in there so he can be warm. Anyway, but um, every seemed like evening, every time I'd take dog food up or the leftovers that, that, that was from dinner, there was always seemed to be on the outskirts, there was a wood line probably 150, 250 feet far away from the, the, the doghouse or the parsonage. And it always seemed to be right on the wood line, there were some rabbits. They're just sitting there chewing on a little grass or whatever they were, you know, harvesting to eat. <laughs> and boy, Bruno, as a pup, he would take off. He's a purebred beagle. Beagles are rabbit dogs. That's what they do. And they yip. They got a high yip. When they, when, they get on a, when they get on a rabbit, everybody within a mile radius knows they're on a rabbit. He'd take off. He'd, I, mean, he'd, I mean, he'd take off like a shot. And never let, every time, every time, Pastor Todd, that chain would drag him back. 
every time it would yank him. I mean, snap his neck almost, or at least it felt like it as a little boy looking at my awesome little dog. Bruno kept growing, and it seemed like those rabbits, he didn't, we, all, we thought the chain was strong enough to hold Bruno. Oh but as Bruno got a little stronger, and what he saw in front of him that he wanted more than what was holding him back, there was a day, oh, there was a day that he broke the chain, and he got after those rabbits. Now, my question to you today, is there any chain breakers in this room today that want to break away from chains that's been holding you back for many, many years that you want to break free from today? Whew. Whew. Let's go to Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Get ahead of myself. And we'll go ahead and keep it real, keep it like for Bruno. And I'm going to entitle this today, The Chain Breaker. Verse 1 in chapter 8 of Acts. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At the time a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. You understand, this was the embryonic state of the church. It really didn't know what it was at this point. It had power. Yeah. Had a lot of power. Had purpose, but no structure or no order at this point. Right. So as for Paul, he made havoc of the church. So we got a church that doesn't really know who it is being persecuted by a man. He, he really doesn't know who he is. Right. Saul later becomes Paul, of course. As for Saul, he made havoc over the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Because of the persecution, therefore, they were scattered and preached the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Amen. And there was a great joy yes. in that city. Chain breakers, chain breakers. Heavenly Father, thank you. Yes. Lord, thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace. Thank you, Father, for what you've already done. I feel like I could go to Gondolier and have lunch and, and, and had been in your house today. Thank you, Father, for your love, your mercy. I ask you, Father, to anoint me today. I ask, Father, for anybody broken in here and hurting in any place in their life. I ask, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that anything that will not come out of my mouth would go straight to the healing of that need. I pray, Father, a special prayer and a special anybody that is heartbroken today. I know my brothers and sisters at Peniel are heartbroken today. I know my, I've got family members, we've got family people all over this world that have been broken or hurting or someone has passed. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reside in the rest of this house. Speak for me in your name, I pray. Amen. So we're in the book of Acts, right? Where the, it has been used to describe the acts of the apostles, which really, um, it's really not the acts of the apostles. It's written by Luke obviously, and it's a continu continuation of the book of Luke. Amen. This is the beginning stages of the church initially. They were really trying to figure out who they were. They didn't really know at this point in time who they were. The Holy Spirit had fallen right. 
on them the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 1, and they received power, and they were trying to figure out how and what to do with this newfound power. They didn't have pastors or elders or deacons to help them manage or deal with the power that they had. And so anytime they had any kind of challenges or confusion or disputes, they would run back to Jerusalem. They, were, they, they, they wanted back there because that's the last place they had seen God, is the glory of God. That's where they would run to. So they ran back there. They were afraid, really, to get out of Jerusalem because they didn't feel like they were ready. They were ready to do the commission of the calling of the Lord. Have you ever felt in your life like you weren't ready? You knew something, God was going to do something in your life, but you just didn't feel like you're right. You didn't maybe have things quite right yet in life. You didn't have things set up in order. You, you, weren't, you didn't have all the pieces of the puzzle together to be able to tackle what God had for you. They were afraid because you didn't have all the details of what, what your destiny felt like. You were ahead of your destiny and what God was calling you to do. So you're truly walking by faith, not by sight, because you're not ready and you don't know really what you're doing. That was a feeling of the early church. They really didn't know what, where, and how, and what to do with what they had. So what do you do when you don't really know what to do with what you got going on? You hang out with the people. You hang out with uh, people that you, 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 you feel comfortable with, that you're normal. You go run out hang out with them. So the challenge with that is when you hang out with the normal or what you know, what happens? <laughs> what you always got, nothing, nothing happens. So we, um, being a, and here's the thing, when you hang out with people too long, God has to send us something to get us to move out of our comfort zone. He's got to send something to move us, to get us going, to get us out of there, out of our, out of our norm. Being a Christian is not a monument. It's a movement, right? It's a movement, not a monument, period. It's not a building. It's not a monument. It's a movement. It's not a denomination. It's a movement. Being a Christian isn't the most favorable or looked upon thing that, hey, you know, you're a Christian. But it is a movement. It's not something to be memorialized with a building. It's a movement. So if you're standing still and you always run back to what you always knew, you're not moving. You're memorializing where God was, not where he is. Cough, Church of the Harvest. That was for you, Pastor. <laughs> has always been a movement. Yeah. It's never been about a building. That's right. That's it's never right. been about a piece of property. This vision of this church was harvest. Yes. Yes. Harvest the whosoever tribe, yes. whoever should come in the building. Yes. And where is the harvest? When you go hunting, Pastor Tim, you're telling me you killed a deer the other day. Where do you go when you harvest a deer? You go out. When you go out in the woods and you find a deer, you harvest it. And you bring it back, and, and you, it's yours. You got the farmers go to harvest their crop. Where do they go? Not what they've always known, not hanging out at the house. They go to the fields where the harvest is at. In church, the harvest, the tribe of whosoever, has always been about going out into the city and reclaiming the city and grabbing and harvest for the kingdom. Wow, okay. The problem with... with uh, um, the problem that with a movement is fear can paralyze it. Sure, that's right. Fear can grab, step in and just stop you in your tracks. 
I, I know that multiple times in my life, I feel like, you know what, here's my direction. I keep feeling like I'm going to walk off that thing. I keep stopping. Um, <laughs> I, hey, this is where I'm going. I know where I'm going. This is what I've got. This is my plan of attack. This is the, my mountain to tackle or my mountain to climb or my mountain to go after. And then something would grip me. Fear would just stop me dead, paralyze me in my tracks. The problem with fear is it can, it can, it, you, if you turn it into a monument, you'll stop moving. God has a way of shifting us to get out of our normal and comfort zone and push us towards something more, for, forcing us to move. So back up. The, the church, early church, they come back to Jerusalem. Every time they come back to Jerusalem, why? They're confused. They know what to do. They're scared. What do I do? I'm trying to describe kind of where they're at. I, I struggle a little bit, but you know what? If you don't know what to do, you go to where somebody you know that maybe possibly that you can hang out. Like if I had a problem with something, I passed around can you, or mama, can you help me? Or my brother, say, can you help me? Something like that. You go to where you know is good. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, this is exactly where they were. They were trying to memorialize where God was. That's where they kept going back to Jerusalem. There comes a, 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 then they come under attack from, from Paul. The persecution from, I'm sorry, not Paul, Saul. <laughs> Got ahead of myself. Comes under attack from persecution from, from Saul, which gives them direction. Sometimes we should shout about the doors God closes. Instead of the ones he opens, right? So they got persecuted. Why did they get persecuted? God allowed them to get persecuted to force them to move. The vision of the church of the church was not to sit in Jerusalem and, hey, us and our four no more type of feel. It was like, look, we're here to tackle the harvest. We're going to have to get the, bring people in and save their souls and spread to the word for the kingdom of God. It wasn't just for the Jerusalem. That's, that wasn't that all that. He will push you out of your comfort zone, even when you don't feel like you want to do it. In fact, quite frankly, when you don't want to do it is when he's really going to push you the hardest. I can think back three years ago now, I guess. And I, I told my story once. I there wasn't. I gotta be careful. There was no way in heaven or Hades I was going to Peniel. <laughs> Just wasn't happening. I, I was stuck. Come on. I was stuck, man. I had my mom and my daddy at that time. I had my brothers. Everybody prayed, praying for me. Get, go, do something. God forced me, literally forced me to go to Peniel to get out. What? So we should be thanking God again for the door closes, because there was a door open to me that was not of Peniel, not of God, that was very much in front of my face, but God will force you to move. It's a movement. It's not just something you hang out and memorialize. Um, the early church kept coming back to Council of Jerusalem. It was the, it's the epicenter of major, major religions. They came back there, and that's why we have so much problems in the Middle East. They're fighting over territory. That's, right. that's what they're fighting over. At one point in time, this, you, know, you think about Israel, it was named everything in the world, Palestine, yeah. Israel. There have been different, multiple names, but the true, obviously the true owner of that property is the Israelites, period. Right. That's why there's so much conflict, even to today, obviously the conflict we have going on right now. They're fighting over territory, period. So Jesus gives us a glimpse of when he was crucified. He gives us a glimpse of a lot. I guess that's a, that's a pretty profound statement. But he gave us a glimpse of he was crucified outside the city gates. Yes, yes. He wasn't crucified in, in the city of Jerusalem. He was, he was outside. The, he, he was escaping. In Hebrews, he talks us about he died in the city escaping the religion, religiosity of you know, the Pharisees and such. So that, that was a glimpse of he doesn't want us in that normal, normal thing. He wants us a movement and going to get in the harvest in the fields. Amen. This group of nameless freaks, Jesus freaks, Kept, kept coming 
to Jerusalem because it was the last place they had seen the glory of God when, when they had infusion or whatever. So God sent them persecution to shift them. Sometimes God will use persecution of the devil to shift you from one place or the other. The Bible says that God sent or allowed persecution to Jerusalem to scatter or move the church to make them move. God has a way of ordering your steps to make you pack your bags and flee the comfort of your own home to go find your destiny. When I packed my bags and went to Pennsylvania, I did not, that was not a snowball's chance. I thought I'm going to find Lisa Willis. If I hadn't gone, if God hadn't moved me, forced me out of Jerusalem or out of what I know to be norm or what it was normal to me, I would have never, ever, ever found my destiny at Peniel in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so the text says that Philip went down to Samaria, right? Why did he send him to Samaria? They were all scattered, they're being persecuted. God sends Philip, specifically the, the text talks about Philip going to Samaria. Why do you think God sent Philip to Samaria? I think God had unfinished business in Samaria. When's the last time we heard about Samaria at this point in time? The Gospel of John declared that Jesus sat down on a well in Samaria waiting on a woman. A woman that had five husbands and a situation currently. Or a friend, maybe. That's what today, that's what you call them today, right? Friends. So God, God hey, I got a friend. I, that's what I, yeah, I got. So this woman had five husbands. We know the story and a situation or a friend, whatever you would like to be. But God went to meet specifically this woman. I, I wonder why he went, and we never knew why he went to meet this woman until now. She, he meets this woman at the well. She meets the seventh. Man. Yes, that's right. At the well. That's right. The seventh man. Yes. The perfect yes. man. Yes. At the well. That's where that God went there to seek her out specifically. He was sitting on a well, Jacob's well, to be the well for Samaria and the world. So he goes meets, she meets the seventh man, the perfect man. What started that conversation? Anybody remember what started that conversation? He said, woman, I thirst. So she comes to the well looking to quench her thirst, meets the perfect man, which he's not there really for water. He's there for her. Obviously, we know in the text, he's there for her. So why did Jesus use or want to use this woman specifically? We don't know her name, and that Bible never says what her name is. It it, we just know her as the woman from Samaria that had five husbands, a friend, and whatever. So I got to believe, and this is going to sound a little weird, but I, I think that she was a thirst quencher. Jesus wanted water. She gave him water. Wanted, well, he came there, and she had something that quenched thirst. Thanks, Chuck. Leah, the only one in the room that got it, or at least, at least laughed about it. She quenched some kind of thirst, right? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, right? She's got five husbands and, and a friend. She's quenching some type of thirst, right? Unfortunately, it wasn't the thirst, right? It wasn't the right kind of thirst that she was going to quench. So why did Jesus use this woman that quenched other thirst? I, 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 think, I think God used Philip to go collect a harvest. But he used this woman to plant a seed 
in Samaria to light it on fire to turn it upside down. But why, who, who, in this time, this time of, 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 in the Bible, women were women. I'm being ugly. I, not today, women. I'm saying in that time, women were not respected. They were nothing, especially one that had five husbands living with another one. I, who, who was going to look at her with any kind of, but she could quench a thirst. So God, and so who, so who did, when she went back into Samaria, what did, who, he said, go back, and who did he, she tell about every, I met the perfect man. He said, go tell all the men in Samaria. That's who she went. She went and told all the men in Samaria about the perfect man that told me everything about I've ever done. And he knows I got, had five husbands and I got a situation currently, or a friend. Oh, baby, you, sorry. So God used the woman at the well to plant a seed in Samaria and light it on fire. Yes, sir, that's good. Now, here's what I would say to you this. Everything that was going wrong for this woman, or that, she had, that had been going wrong for her, obviously, five husbands, current boyfriend, everything was going wrong in her life, God will turn and use that for your benefit. He get, used her to go back and tell the men to go come meet a man. He used a woman that was not respected at all in any capacity, especially in that time of day, to get his respect that was due him, the prophet. I think it's pretty amazing. I, I don't know. You can't, I tell you this much, I know in my life there's many times I don't fit in. And a, mo, and a lot of places I've been in my life, I don't fit in. Whether I was out running the streets, I didn't fit in really in my heart of hearts, I didn't fit in. I was trying to fit in. But God, but God will use what was working against you and turn it and work it for your yes. good and yes. with you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Some things in our life um, that are wrong with us are wrong because we don't have the right person, or haven't met the right person, the perfect man, the right person, or you don't, and that, that fits the right piece of the puzzle. I can tell you this much, I, and I can say this out loud because it's common knowledge. I was married three times. I kind of relate with this woman a little bit. Right. I didn't have the right person. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing when God speaks, and God uses somebody specifically, how amazing the, you know, I think JP, don't you do like do crossword puzzles? Somebody like to, yeah, JP likes to do crossword puzzles. It's amazing. You can't fit the wrong cross piece Come on. in the wrong spot. It don't work. You can't force it. Although we try to force it. I've tried to force it. It don't work. It's going to backfire somewhere and bite you somewhere, right? right? So it, when you find that right man or that right uh, piece of the puzzle, um, it's amazing what it finished. This was a drop the water pots kind of type moment for this woman. Yeah. And tell all, go to all the men, like I said, go all tell the men, come see a man that told me all things I had done. Imagine God used a woman, something no one had in the city respected to bring him respect. She sowed the seed in Samaria and that started a revival in Samaria. This wasn't a woman that had, hasn't, or wasn't at a club. Come on. This wasn't a woman who probably hadn't smoked a cigarette, or wasn't a woman who had done a lot of different things, right? He used her to lead in this, in this manner for, for his reason. She left the former for the latter. She is a water pot dropping moment for her. She runs in the city and says, come meet the man that I just met. Now, Philip comes until, nothing else from Samaria at this point in time until Philip comes back, comes to go collect the harvest that Jesus used the woman at the well so to plant yes. revival and seed, right? Yes. 
Okay, so Harvey, Philip comes to Samaria, and the Bible, and the Bible speaks about it. But I can tell you this. When, you, when God puts a man on a mission, or God puts a woman on a mission, or God puts somebody on a mission, it, it isn't not met with some level of attack or resistance or something's going to hit you square in the face. In this text, Simon the sorcerer had been in Samaria, right? So he'd been in Samaria and set up camp. The principalities, the, there was, there was, there was uh, help me, there was um, sickness, there was demon possessions, there was everything going on in Samaria at this point in time, and God sends Philip, Philip alone, to, to, to try to counteract all these principalities that is set up over Samaria. He sent Philip in to go reap the harvest that he used the woman to well to plant it. That's the reason why, if, you know, God's got something on your life. That's the reason why you're under attack. Amen. Simon had taken over the region, and, and, the region and convinced everybody there that this was the right way. This was, he had it going on. This was the, the way to go. Um, and it was all to try to stop the power of God and the revival that had started. And God sends Philip to combat the spiritual warfare. You remember when Jesus, uh, this is a part that, that, remember that Jesus, when he went to go cast out the, the, the legion of demons and Gadarenes, and he's on and he goes, they have to get on the boat, they have to get on the ship, and they're going across, right? And they're going to cast out demons. De- Jesus is asleep at the bottom of the boat. Who's, he's sleeping. Could you sleep? I can't sleep halfway through rain, thunder, lightning. I can't sleep a wink. Jesus is asleep. Yes, he is. Now, I haven't been on, this isn't Carnival Cruise Line, right? So I'm thinking, if I'm at the bottom of the boat and I'm snoozing, and I'm out like a light, and there's waves going on, and there's a hurricane. Kind of imagine a hurricane. He's in the bottom of the boat. You think he's dry? I can't see. I can't imagine he's dry. I can't imagine that the the, the boat's not doing all kind of numbers. They're worried about it's going to be capsized, and he's sleeping. That's the part I can't. But now, why do you think he was sleeping? I think he was getting ready for a, for a fight. A cast out some demons and, and the legions of demons and Gadarenes, right? That's the reason why I think he was asleep, I think. But he's not awake. But what happens? What happens? P- Peter calls out, Jesus. What am I trying to tell you? You have the power to wake up Jesus by calling his name. Amen. You're in trouble. You feel like, you know what? Your storm is backed by, there's a, there's a spirit behind your storm. You have the power to wake up Jesus. The wind and the rain didn't wake up Jesus. The water didn't wake up Jesus. Nothing wakes up Jesus Wakes up Jesus except for his faint, even if it's a faintest cry. He will hear your faintest cry or a teardrop coming off your nose at 3 o'clock in the morning. And it says, hey, I'm in trouble. I need you or whatever, whatever you're in, right? You have the power to wake up Jesus. The wind and the rain didn't wake him up. The water didn't wake him up. He's, I'm sure that a couple of them were probably puking. If I'd have been on there, I'd have been puking. I can't ride a ship for nothing. I'd have been vomiting all over the place. But he, he wakes up. What does Jesus do? He wakes up. He goes to the bow of the ship. He probably rubs the crust out of his eyeballs to sleep and say, hey, you know, what does he say? He's on his way to go cast out demons and gadarenes, the legions of demons, not one or two, legions of demons and gadarenes. Cast them out. He gets up. Rubs his eye, clears his clears his his throat, and probably says, "What does he say?" He rebuked the winds and the rain. He rebuked it. I don't know about y'all, but I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Why would he need to rebuke? You don't rebuke wind and rain. You know, if I yeah, I made the wind and rain, I can just tell, hey, sit down and be quiet, right? He did that when he, the, the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. He didn't rebuke it then. He just parted it. 
What am I saying? What I'm trying to tell you is that storm that you probably are in or you're facing, there's a spirit behind it. It's not just the wind and the rain, but the one who sent the spirit or who sent the storm needed to be rebuked. And if we sent it back to where it came from. So what I'm trying to tell you is when you get, when you get in the middle of that storm, you have the power to wake up Jesus. You, you have the power. And what, you know what's amazing? When you get and face temptation, I know this much, boy, in my life, I tell you, when I, I, when I face temptation or I was battling something bad or whatever, what is, what is the very first thing you want to do? Shut up. Don't tell nobody. Run and hide. My dad used to always tell me, son, I know when you're not living right. I don't hear from you for two weeks. What's the tendency? Adam, where are you? Tendency is to hide and not speak. So I challenge every one of you to speak. Speak to that storm that's got a spirit that's sending the storm that way. It's not just the wind and the rain. It's a, it's a spirit. It's a demonic oppression. It's something to try to fight against what God's calling you to do. So speak. Don't get quiet. Like you are now. Just kidding. Hmm. You know, the principalities over top of Samaria had done a lot of work in the region. When, when, they, when, they, go to, when they go to war over a, a, an area or a region, they, they spend a lot of time gaining. When, you, when he did cast out, they, what, did, what did he say when he cast out the demons? Don't, let us, don't send us from the region. Right. Just send, please don't send us from the region. Why is that? They'd done a lot of work. It was territory that they had earned or won in their mind. Just send us to the pigs. Don't send us from the region. So the demonic oppression that you fight in your life is over a region, absolutely, over your area. I think the demons in Cleveland, Tennessee are different than the ones in Dallas, Texas, or so on. It's a different set of principalities that you fight and face. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the generational type of stuff, too. Let's talk about, we all, everybody in this building's got chains. I don't care. I don't care who, who you are. You got chains from your childhood. For, you're fighting your mama's battles, your daddy's battles, your grandfather's battles. I know I've got predispositions in my life from my, my lineage, my heritage. But it's not just my battles. They didn't start with me. Yeah. Right. They're chains. And let me, let me prove it to you. Let me help you. Let me see what I'm saying. Uh, Abraham. Abraham lied about his wife not being his wife. Yeah. Right. Right. right? At that point in time, Isaac hadn't even been born. Isaac had no idea, he even heard that that lie even happened. Right. What did Isaac do? Yeah. He lied. He said the same lie that he never even heard. Yeah, so right. there's a lineage. When you go to the doctor and they talk to you, say, hey, look, so, hey, have you have high blood pressure? Yeah, I'm here because I have high blood pressure. What does your grandfather have? High, well, I don't know. He's dead. What does it matter if he's got high blood pressure? <laughs> I'm kind of feeling weak in my back. Well, did your, did your dad have a bad back? Does your mom have a bad back? Right. Did your uncle? Did your 14th cousin twice removed? I mean, that's what it feels like when I go to the doctor. Why do they ask those questions? There's a reason why, because there's chains to, that, to our bloodline that's been passed down and passed down. It's generational curses. They are there, and that's something we need to know. In order to be free, we have got to break those chains. Amen. There's, a between, there's a chain between Isaac and his father. Yep. Why? You're fighting your mama's chains, your battles. You're fighting your daddy's battles. Um, I can tell you this much. I'm not going to let, I, I, I know my mind, my heart, while well, studying for this, I'm not going to let my daddy's battles beat me. I'm not going to let my mama's battles beat me. I'm not going to do it. There comes a point in time. I know when Bruno tried, I made a New Year's resolution. I know there's some folks in here that have made New Year's resolutions. Says, this time, this is it. I'm going there. And you know what? What happens? What happens? You get your neck, you get jerked by your neck. You get back. 
or you make it three weeks, or you do this or do that. Hey, I'm not going to look at that anymore. Hey, I'm not going to pick up that drink. This is it. I'm going to make a change. I'm not going to do that anymore. What happens? You get jerked back. You get jerked back. How many times I watched Bruno, I mean, that rabbit, those rabbits were across the field from him, and he, and he, he, he tried so hard to, get, to break free, but he couldn't break free from that. So the text says that <laughs> Philip went down to Samaria on a mission. And God puts a man on a mission. Let me, let me show you how he'll prove. When Jesus went to cast out the devils, he did that. Um, he could hear your faintest cry. <laughs> uh, but I want, to talk, I, want to, I, want to, I want to focus on um, taking back our region, our city, and your bloodline. Today's, my, my thoughts, my, 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 my heart and mind goes to the, the chains that we have from our family, the region, and what we're here to do. And that's the, for the, we're the we are the church, the harvest, to go reap the, reap the reward of. So, we thought, at one point in time, I'll never forget, I came home and <laughs> uh, Bruno had grown a little further, a little bigger, and uh, it was one evening, and he was pushing hard, pushing hard, pushing hard, and, and what's amazing was the rabbits kept getting closer to the doghouse. <laughs> yeah. it, it, I mean, as a boy, I remember growing up, the rabbits were, first, they were way across the field by the tree line. So, when you... you, you <laughs> Mm. They would get more brave mm -hmm. and more brave. Uh -huh. And they kept, come peel, kept getting a little closer. Mm -hmm. And we th all thought the chain was strong enough to hold the dog, to hold Bruno. They kept, I promise you, and there was a time, there was a night that, I mean, for a long time, they kept getting closer and closer and closer. And so one, I'll never forget there was a time that I, was, I actually had my BB gun out. I was a little boy doing BB gun, doing boy stuff, and I, he started yelping. And I can believe in his mind today, and I felt my spirit well up this morning. He, when he saw what he wanted more that was in front of him, that was holding him back, he said, not this time. Not this time. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to fail. I'm not, I'm not going to fall into fear. I'm not going to fall into depression. I'm not going to fall and look at what I look on, on, on this. Or I'm not going to not fight for my marriage. I'm not going to not do this. I'm not this time. It's not the time. And when he shot off like a rocket. And, I, and he hit to the end of it. And I, I, I thought, oh, God, oh, God. Because I was worried. I was worried he was going to break his neck. I really was. Honestly, I thought he was going to break his neck. Because he would go and his tail would fly around the front side of him. It was awful. I was scared me to death. But that, that time he hit it and it just snapped. And what I felt in my spirit this morning was there are things and there are curses and there are things attached to folks in this room that we all have veins. And I felt in my spirit, I felt things snapping. Yes. Yes. I felt yes. I felt break I felt break in demonic. I felt the break in yes. in fear of generational curses. Your mamas, your daddies, yes. your grandpas, your uncles, or whoever it was, I felt a snapping. And I got to snap it. He'll, if you, if you've just got to make it a point, like I'm, the, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. And I tell you, this isn't just for you. This is for your daughter. This is for your son. This is for your, your grandbabies. This is those type of things. That's, that's really who the fight is for. And to walk free and to live free. So I know this much. I have changed in my life that God has punched me in the mouth with, with studying this. Say, look, this is it. That's it. I'm not doing that no more. I'm not doing that more. And it's hard because you know what? It, it is you get snapped back. You get to have great, great motivation. This is where I'm going. And you and you get boom, a this distraction, or that distraction, or this is said, or somebody hurts your feelings, or, or you or something in church is said you don't agree with, and you just say, you know what? You know, there are times I, I being very transparent, there are times 
man, I, 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 when I walk out of this room with Pastor after she preaches, there two, I told Lisa a couple weeks ago, boy, I either want to do two things right now. <laughs> and I didn't think of that until just this moment. Thank the Lord. I said I wanted to run either as hard as I can run to him or as far away as I can run from him. And that's a chain. That's a snap. That's Satan. That's the demonic forces. That's the predisposition that we're all born with. Your story didn't start the day you were born. That's just a shift in the scope of time. It is. It's just a shift. And God's going to continue to use the shift. He's going to continue to keep, his, keep it moving. He's going to keep having folks speak the word. Um, now, let me back, I'm, I'm sidetracked. Let's get back to the story. So Philip goes to, to Samaria, turns it upside down, right? Turns up so much so Simon is sorcerer. What happens to Simon the sorcerer? If anybody knows the rest of the story. Yes, sir. Simon the sorcerer all of a sudden now says, hey, I want what you got. I don't know what it is you got because I ain't got it, but I want what you got. I need it. And then they want to pay for it. They say, look, I'll give you silver and gold, or I'll do whatever you need to do. Please let me have what you got. And they rebuked him and said, look, silver, you know, they, you know the rest of the story. But he, he turned it upside down. So when God puts a man on a mission, he turns it upside down. I feel very strongly there's things in, 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 in your life that God is about to turn upside down and, and, and move us in a direction where he's taking us to. Yes. So I don't know. Mike, can you come play with me, please, if you don't mind? Which, whatever you put on your heart, brother, whatever you want to do. I feel in my spirit, I, I know, and I don't know everything that's going on with, 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 uh, and you know, with the, where we're heading, and where we're going, Church of Harvest, uh, but I know this, that Church of Harvest is the whosoever tribe. Come on. The, 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 our vision was, was cast 30-something years ago. Yes, sir. It, it wasn't, and I don't, I don't know how to say this, this isn't, this, Church of Harvest is, was, always, was always a movement. Yes, yes. If you remember how it's originated or birthed, yes. it was a movement. So I feel strong the Lord sharing and telling me that, you know what? He's moving us. He's moving us. He's moving us to get us going and to reap the harvest. What, this, what the vision of this church always was, was to reap a harvest. And a harvest isn't in these four walls or in this building or where you sit in this church. That's not what it is. The harvest is out in the field. So my, my, my challenge or question to you today is, I want to be like Bruno. Yes. Whatever it is in your life. And listen, if anybody's sitting here thinking you ain't got something, <laughs> you do. You do. And you know, it's already been the Holy Spirit's already brought it to the forefront of your brain. What that is for you. I know mine. We all have them. There's a chain. There's an oppression. There's an attack. They'll fight you tooth and nail. It isn't strong. That chain isn't strong enough to hold you back. He wants to liberate that. He wants to break that free from you. And it's not, again, it's not just about you. It's about the region. It's about this city. 
It's about the harvest for the kingdom. It's about walking free in your life. Yes. Don't walk in bondage no more. Don't want to be held back by the back of your neck this time. I don't want to put a new, a, a new Year's resolution. January's right around the corner. And everybody's going to start out with a New Year's resolution. Right? right? And what typically happens? I'm going to go to a gym workout, right? How long does it last? Like, Week, two, months, like, maybe. You know, well, then what happens? I'm, not, I'm just using that as an analogy, obviously. But I tell you what, there are things in your life in the spirit realm and your walk with Christ that you and he both know about that he can very definitively snap. I, I, there, I know that there are some break, chain breakers in this room. I know there's some chain breakers in this room. And anybody that wants to break those chains from the, whatever it was from your childhood, whatever is from your, the, the heritage, your mama's battles, your mama's chains, your daddy's chains, don't make the same mistake and continue to make the same mistake over and over again. And you break those chains. I want to, I want to, I want to, everybody stay in. Let's, let's, I'm going to pray over you. If you would, grab, I tell you what, grab the, the hand if you feel comfortable, grab the hand next to you. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your, uh, your voice. Thank you, Father, for your power. Thank you, Father, for your wisdom and your ordering our steps. And thank you, Father, for those times in persecution that, we, that are really direction in our lives. I ask you, Father, to help us to break every one of those chains in our lives if we submit them to you. I pray, I ask you, Father, to help us square our shoulders back this time and break that chains and not fold under the pressure, under the temptation. I pray, Father, that when we face temptation or when we face whatever it is that that, that curse over our family or over our lineage, I ask you, Father, that we speak your name, that we can wake you up and you'll come running. Don't, be, don't, let, this, don't let us, there's power, there's death and life and the power of our tongue. And I'm asking you, Father, to help us speak your name. Help us speak. Oh, hallelujah. The name of Jesus to our chains and release us from our chains and our bondage. I pray, Father, for the future of this house. I pray for the lineage of this church. I pray, God, you would go before us and order our steps and continue to move us and not allow anything to become a monument and memorialize where you were. I pray, God, you help us move to where you are. And that we can help reap the harvest for the kingdom. And I pray, Father, for that brother or sister that you're holding hand, that if, they need, if and when the time comes, they would reach out to you, Father, and speak and break those chains. I then help them identify, Father, what those are and put the blood over them. I praise your holy name. In your name I pray. Amen.